Welcome to Mysteries to Die For. I am TJ Wolf, and I'm here with Jack, my piano player and producer. This is a podcast where we combine storytelling with original music to put you at the heart of murder, mystery, and mayhem. Some episodes will be original stories. Others will be classics that help shape the mystery genre we know today. These are arrangements, which means instead of word-for-word readings, you get a performance that's meant to be heard. Computer is being really glitchy, so um, this may be more edited than we normally do. I noticed that. I forgot to turn my mic off. I forgot to turn my mic off. So, every nothing's like moving on the screen. We're currently that. stuck at 21 second. Currently stuck that. at 21 second. 21. Oh, it's going. Okay. Okay. We're live. Keep going. Okay. Let's go. This is season four. A word before dying. This season contains original stories written just for you and built around that classic mystery theme of the last word spoken before dying. This is episode 9, the last in the season, and it's about standing your ground. This is Fading Shadow, a De La Cruz case file, by me, T.G. Wolf. Eagles, turkeys, and death. Feel silly, Zeus, Aurora Williams said as they left the rail of the elephant habitat. She shied away from the people walking by who stared at her wheelchair, the balloon narwhal tied to its armrest. I can walk. I'm not a complete invalid. The man pushing the chair was Cleveland Police Detective Jesus de la Cruz. He'd taken a rare day off, which meant today he was just a regular guy enjoying a beautiful morning with his fiancée at the Cleveland Metro Park Zoo. He narrowed his eyes at the woman who openly ogled Aurora's legs, one of which was in a boot. There's going to come a day when you can run laps around here, but it's not today. You're still here. accident into the recent car crash that had torn tendons in Aurora's knees and broken one of her legs. The crash hadn't been an, a- the crash hadn't been an accident. A month later, Cruz still hadn't gotten beyond the nightmare of arriving at the scene or the guilt that his woman lived while his best friend's wife's died. Just sit back and enjoy having your own personal chauffeur. Tell me more about this class you're interested in. It's a victim advocacy course, she said excitedly. The program is jointly social work in the law schools and includes psychology and sociology classes too. Doesn't it sound fascinating? And applicable, applicable, especially after the last few weeks. She turned in the chair to look at him. It's not just about the subject, though. I'm going stir-crazy at home. I hoped I'd be back in the classroom this fall. Cruz gave her a quick kiss. Not happening, he said, and started pushing her up an incline toward the American Bald Eagles. All the doctors agreed. You can't keep up the physical demands. Not yet. You're officially on disability put his weight behind the wheelchair. The hill hadn't looked steep from the bottom. He'd been wrong, very wrong. Zeus, it's called a walking boot for a reason. Aurora called him by the nickname she'd given him on their first date. You don't have to push me everywhere. You keep your pretty little ass right in that seat. They reached a turn and the land blessedly fell off. He parked her chair in front of the Avery, locked its brakes and caught his breath. Did you know, if Ben Franklin had his way, the turkey would be our national bird instead of this guy? That isn't true, Aurora said, pushing herself to standing. The myth stems from the design of our national seal. After several initial drafts, the one that was embraced had an eagle on the back. Franklin wrote in a letter that he didn't think the eagle was a good representation of Americans. I guess eagles kind of scavenge. He wrote that a turkey would have been more representative. Cruz handed her a cane that was their compromise between his idea of crutches and her idea of nothing. Where did you learn that? Art history, she said. Have you ever noticed how beautiful money can be? The only thing beautiful about money is what? A crack rang out. Cruz froze, listening. A second later, there was another. 
It was gunfire, but with the echo, it could have been anywhere. Startled, the eagles had lifted their wings, but then quickly settled. Aurora took his hand. What's the matter? I thought I heard something. He shook his head to clear his thoughts. I've never really looked at money. It's just something we use. She rolled her eyes. Just because something is utilitarian doesn't mean it can't be beautiful, especially then. Hand me my purse. I'll show you what I mean. Cruz pulled a bill from his wallet instead. A 20. Thank you, ATMs everywhere. They put their heads together and studied a very detailed picture of the White House. I can almost see the, the links in the chain holding the lantern, Cruz said. And there's shades in the windows. I never noticed it before. Help! A woman screamed. Stay here, Cruz ordered, as he turned and ran back to the road. Help! We need a doctor! She, the woman shouted, her desperate cries the beacon Cruz used to guide him. Further up the hill, to the left and around the far side of a large building, a young woman with dark hair wearing shorts and a sports bra knelt on the ground next to a prone man. A Hispanic man stood near the down man's feet, dressed in a dark uniform and pants. The subject of the emergency was a black man. I'm a cop, Cruz said as he approached. What's going on? He's been shot. The woman had stripped off her shirt and was pressing it to the man's abdomen. Did you call 911? Cruz asked as he knelt opposite her, realizing the man was dressed in the same dark shirts and pants with the zoo maintenance embroidered on the chest. He was bleeding from a wound on his stomach. Woman shook her head. My phone ended up in the lake. Despite the pressure she had applied to his stomach, blood was leaking out, staining her hand. Can you call? Tell them to hurry. Cruz made the call, then looked to the man making like a statue. Do you have any clean rags or towels? Anything. The man shook his head. Their patient was still, his eyes staring up at the blue sky above, his lips moving. Cruz got in his light of sight. We've got you, brother. Just stay with us. The man raised his hand, beckoning Cruz closer. Cruz captured the hand and bent over, putting his ear close to the man's mouth. The man's eyes searched the area, darting from place to place without rest. His breathing was labored, coming in short, little pants. Sh shadow. Cruz stayed still, listening. The man didn't stay more. Just stay with me, Cruz told him. Help is on the way. He pulled back, squeezing the hand that he held tight in his own. He looked around. There were shadows all around the landscape. In fact, the man was stretched out in one of the rare patches of sun. What did he say? The man standing nearby asked. He wore the uniform of the zoo's maintenance department, though it was hard to see his name tag with the sun behind him. Nothing that made sense, Cruz said, keeping information to himself out of professional habit. He moved the edge of the ad hoc compress to read the patch on the man's chest. Mr. Taylor, help us close by. Keep your eyes on me. Don't close them, Mr. Taylor. That's right. Keep looking at me. Cruz glanced up to see the ambulance arrive and medics hurrying out of the vehicle. Then the hand that he held stopped squeezing back. Taylor's gaze stayed on Cruz as he took his last breath. The scene of the crime. The scene had been secured. The presence of Cleveland police in such numbers wasn't usual at the zoo and naturally attracted attention. The victim, Warren Taylor, had been shot in a relatively secluded location behind a large building, making it easier to keep the curious from muddling their crime scene. The building known as Stillwater Place had been constructed on a semicircular patch of land that jutted out into Waterfall Lake. The asphalt path serving as both driveway and a walkway behind the building, a split rail fence along its perimeter, kept people out of the water. A thick line of brush around the building acted as a screen to the place where Taylor's body still laid on the ground. To the east, the sun made a silhouette of the eagle enclosure. The sight of it immediately brought Aurora to mind. He was about to send one of the responding patrol officers to get her when he saw her lipping toward the crime scene tape, pushing her wheelchair. How were her legs supposed to heal when a stubborn woman deliberately worked herself too hard? Cruz stormed toward her, angry. What are you doing? Are you okay? She asked anxiously. 
It took me forever to get up here. What part of stay here don't you understand? He asked, glaring. Sit in the damn chair. Now, I'm calling my sister to get you. Setting the brake, Aurora shook her head as she lowered herself into the chair. Mariana is working today. Who's the girl? She looks like she needs a friend. Take me to her. He turned to the young woman sitting on a large rock behind him, now wrapped in an industrial blanket. Her dark hair and thick brows were traits that could have come from any Mediterranean country. He looked at her hands while she rubbed her blood-stained fingers, tears rolling down her cheeks. She did look in need of someone in her corner. Aurora was a teacher, an artist, and the most kind-hearted person Cruz had ever met. After a month of being taken care of, Aurora needed to care for someone else. Cruz rounded the chair and flipped off the brake. I'll give you a few moments with her and then come over to take her statement. Don't influence what she has to say. Aurora patted his hand in reassurance. I'm not going to influence her, Zeus. I'm just going to let her know she's not alone. Cruz signaled the patrolman who lift the crime scene tape. He pushed Aurora to the rock where Nika Papadopoulos sat. Miss Papadopoulos, I have a few things to do before I'm ready to talk to you. If it's all right, I'm Aurora, his fiance said gently. I'd like to sit with you, unless there's someone else here. Oh, um, no, the woman said. There, there's no one. I'd like if you stayed. I'll be back in a few minutes, Cruz said, but he couldn't leave it at that. Stay in the damn chair, Aurora. I mean it. You could have torn something walking up that hill. She glared at him. Don't you have some detecting to do? Shoo! Words. Oh, he and his fiancé were going to have words as soon as they got home. Cruz, over here, called one of the crime scene investigators. Cruz joined the man on the nearby circular terrace, decorated with three-foot-tall concrete planters overflowing with flowers. What do you have? A nine-millimeter casing in the planter. It's in direct alignment with the victim. The investigator lifted his arm, showing how the shot would clear the building corner. Only one? I heard two shots. I heard them. See if you can find a second casing, Cruz said, and then jumped down from the terrace to the grass. A quick inspection of the building found a bullet buried in the dark wood facade. He went down on one knee next to the body, lifting the covering to inspect the wound again. There was a single bullet to the abdomen. No exit wound, which meant Taylor had been facing his killer. What Manny Saw Cruz went to the far side of the terrace where Manuel Manny Ruiz sat in a Cleveland Metro Park Zoo golf cart. A middle-aged black woman sat behind the wheel. Thank you for being patient, Mr. Ruiz, Cruz said, taking out his phone to take notes. Tell me what happened. I, I don't know, detective. That's the truth, he said, running his hands through his short hair. Warren and I were knocking out a few work orders on Stillwater. It was all little stuff, loose boards, dead power outlet, you know, that kind of thing. I was working on the fence when I heard that woman scream. I saw Warren lying there and, I don't know, I just, I just froze, you know? You didn't radio in for help, Cruz asked, knowing he hadn't. I didn't carry my radio. It was here in the golf cart, he said, pointing to the stand and the radio in it. I was working right there. He pointed to his right. The nearby fence was in the midst of repair, the middle rail propped up against a post. A hammer and a pair of gloves laid at its base. I could hear if I was called. I didn't need the radio weighing me down. When I heard the woman scream, I, I ran over. I mean, she tossed me her phone to call, but I fumbled it, and then, well, it ended up in the lake. He covered his mouth, squeezed his eyes shut. He took a breath. Do you think Warren would have lived if I'd had my radio? The woman sitting next to him took his hand. You can't think like that, she said. Life's not that simple. You have nothing to feel guilty about, Manny. There wasn't anything you could do. And who are you, ma'am? Cruz asked. Jeanette Simpson, maintenance admin, she said. I work with Manny. We both work for Warren. Jeanette provided Cruz with the detail of Warren Taylor's life, right down to his shoe size. He was 36, divorced, and had two girls, aged 9 and 12. He'd started at the zoo when he was 18. He went to Cuyahoga Community College, earning a degree and a salaried manager position. 
Warren had a big personality, Jeanette said. He was a hard man, but he wasn't a bad man. Manny snorted derisively. He wasn't, Jeanette insisted. He wanted things his way, sure, and he had expectations. He pushed us all to be the best we could be, to be proud of what we did. Manny nearly choked on her words. You have a different opinion, Mr. Ruiz? Cruz asked him. Warren was a horrible boss. There was no pleasing him. If I got something done in half an hour, he would say it should have taken 20 minutes. If you couldn't do a job as fast or as well as he could, well, you were shit to him. You're wrong, Jeanette said. He was proud of us, all of us, proud of the zoo and the way we kept it. Cruz redirected the conversation back to a productive line. Mr. Ruiz, did you see the shooter? He shook his head. I didn't see nobody. I was facing the water. You had to hear the shots, Cruz said. Ruiz paused as if thinking and then shook his head again. No, sir, I didn't. I had earbuds in. Wait, now that you say that, I, I did hear something. I thought it was part of the music, though. You know, like a drummer went rogue or something. I listen to death metal, so that kind of thing happens. That kind of thing happens, Cruz repeated. Give your contact information to the patrol officer. I'll need to talk with you again. Sure thing, detective. I don't know what more I can tell you, though, but I'll do whatever it takes to find out what happened to Warren. What's, what's the girl's name? I don't know. I mean to say that so loudly. Uh, Nika? She's sleeping with Warren, isn't she? 20 bucks. Something. <laughs> well, why would she be... No, 20 bucks. Sorry. I, everyone who heard that sentence, whatever. That sentence did not come out the way I meant it to. You, you get what I'm trying to say. I right? do. I do. Yeah. Being the author of the story, I'm not. I'm neither going to accept nor decline that bet because I think either way, I would be giving something away. You still owe me twenty bucks for the for the lost luggage. You're right, I do. Made a bet on the way back from our trip that we would lose a bag, and then we did. Yes, we did. Not a fun time. All right, let's get back to the thing we're actually doing. All right. What Nika saw. Cruz returned to the women who discovered Warren Taylor. Nika Papadopoulos sat on the large rock, but now wore Aurora's light jacket instead of a blanket. Thank you for waiting, Miss Papadopoulos, Cruz said, resting his hand on Aurora's shoulder. Please, tell me what happened. Well, I came to the zoo for a run, she said. My apartment is across the street and my parents gave me a zoo membership for Christmas because it's such a nice place to run. It's safe. At least it was. I have a couple of routes, but today I took the one that goes around Waterfall Lake. I came in over there, she pointed to the opposite side of the building, in the vicinity of where Manny Ruiz had been working. I ran around the lake, coming out here. I saw a man on the ground, but it wasn't until I was close that I saw that his shirt was soaked with blood. I'm not sure what I happened next. A man came up and he circled around to stand on the path that I'd come from. It became real obvious he wasn't going to help, so I dug up my phone out of my pack, opened it, and tossed it his way. I know I told him to call 911, and then he said, oops. I remember because it sounded so childish. When I looked up, he said he dropped my phone in the water. Clearly, he wasn't going to do anything to help. Maybe he's on the spectrum or something because he just watched me. I shouted for help again, and that's when you came. Did you hear the gunshots? Cruz asked. I did, she said, but I didn't know what it was. I thought maybe something was dropped. I never thought it was gunshots. Do you run with earbuds in, he asked, with music playing? Of course, she said. I have a playlist with high energy music, but I heard the shots. I bet everyone in the zoo heard them. We heard them too, Aurora said, covering the woman's hand with her own. I didn't know what they were either. Cruz had recognized the sound. He'd just been hoping he was wrong. Where were you when you heard them, Miss Papadopoulos? More than halfway around, I would say about there. She pointed to the ten o'clock position on the lake. It only took me a few minutes. It only took me a few minutes to get from there to here. If she hadn't been on that path, it would have taken a lot longer for Taylor's body to have been found. Did you see anyone else in the area? He asked. Maybe around the building or on the path. Well, there were three people near the front corner of the building. A man and a woman were holding hands, and they were about my age. They were with an older woman who carried a clipboard. My first thought was that they were planning a wedding. 
I never thought assassination. Behind the building, a man was working on the fence. He left his golf cart parked right in the middle of the path and I had to run on the grass to get around it. Did you notice anything more about the man? Cruz asked, looking to verify Ruiz's story. Nika thought for the moment. Well, he had on yellow gloves that made his hands look too big for his body. He was trying to get one of the boards out from the post. Was there something in particular you wanted to know? Did you notice if he had earbuds in? She paused and then shook her head. I didn't notice his ears, but he did have sunglasses on. Detective, what do you think Mr. Taylor meant when he said shadow? Do you think the shooter was in a shadow? There were so many trees around, there, there were shadows everywhere. I don't know the answer, Cruz said. Not yet. I'll need your contact information for follow-up questions, but otherwise you can go. He turned to his fiance. No need for you to stay here, baby. I'm going to be a while. I'll call my mother to come get you. One nice thing about her quitting the hospital, her hours are more flexible. We don't need to bother your mother, Aurora said. If Nika is willing, I thought I could drive her home. Cruz narrowed his eyes. You haven't been cleared for driving, remember? Yes, she said on a sigh. I remember. I was hoping you would be too distracted to think about it. I'm never too distracted to think about you, Cruz said, and gently kissed her lips. Aw, Nika said, drawing out the word. You two are cute together. I'll wait with you, Aurora. I can take you to the top entrance and wait for your ride. Or you can wait at my apartment. Like I said, I'm just across the street. That sounds like a perfect solution, Aurora said, overruling Cruz's polite attempt to separate work and home. Happy hunting, detective. What Jeanette Heard Don't think poorly of Warren because of the mess, Jeanette Simpson said, compulsively neatening a stack of paper in the zoo's administrative office. He's very busy, that's all. Please, leave those, Cruz said, gently easing the woman away from the cluttered desk. I wouldn't want someone to judge me by the state of my desk. Manny said Warren was a hard man to work for. You said he wasn't. What's the truth? The truth? Now that's a matter of perception, isn't it? You see, I'm someone who takes care of what's mine. Warren liked that. One less thing for him to think about. So he left me alone. But Manny? And she shook her head. If he were my son, he'd have felt the belt a time or two. That boy is smart. Crazy smart. But he's lazy. Cruz looked at the photograph stuck to the nearby wall with thumbtacks. Picture of Warren's crews taken there at the zoo. More pictures of smiling girls, growing from toddlers to preteens in faded snapshots. Warren doesn't sound like the type of manager to overlook that. Did they argue? Did Warren threaten Manny or vice versa? Jeanette shook her head. Nothing like that. They had more of a father-son relationship. They didn't argue per se. Manny did whine and Warren did lecture, I mean, nearly every day. Certainly this morning, Manny wanted a raise. Some friend of his in concessions got one, so he wanted his. Warren told him he'd get a raise when he showed up on time, ready to work. The list went on. How did Manny seem after that, Cruz asked? Angry? Resentful? Just as Norma's self. Maybe a little quiet, Jeanette said. It wasn't long after that that they went out together on those work orders. Cruz leaned against the desk. Anyone else Warren rub up against? Jeanette shuffled uncomfortably. You're making me feel like I'm tattling. Somebody here in the zoo killed Warren Taylor, Cruz said. If it wasn't someone close to him, it means there's a shooter on the loose. Evidence does not point to a random target. There isn't a big crew here, Jeanette said. Day shift is Warren and Manny, and then Michael and Kevin. Michael Evans is our electrician. He's been with us for six months. He does good work. We're lucky to have him. But, she said when Cruz let the pause hang, sometimes he's hard to find. Hardly matters. All of his work is done at the end of the day. Tell me about Kevin, Cruz said. Jeanette pulled a picture from the wall of five smiling faces and pointed to the man second from the left. Kevin Wynn is our mechanic. 
If it moves, that man can fix it. Warren has gotten a few complaints on Kevin. Let's say he is exacting. And when others don't live up to his standards, he's not shy about letting his opinion be known. The most recent was yesterday. One of the vet techs left a hose run and flooded a room causing all kinds of damage. Jeanette looked away, guilt and worry on her face. He didn't mean anything by it. Cruz stood tall and looked her in the eyes. Didn't mean anything by what? He said if she he said she'd regret it if she did something that stupid again. Needless to say, the woman told her supervisor and HR was pulled in. Warren intervened on Kevin's behalf, and then the two really laid into him afterward. I don't mind telling you I gave Kevin a piece of my own mind. It was a foolish thing to him to say. Cruz made notes and then looked up at her. You aren't afraid of Kevin? She lifted her chin. Of course not. Where can I find him? What Kevin and Michael did and didn't do. Cruz found Kevin Wynn and Michael Evans in a room that tripled as a shared office, a locker room, and a break room. Both were seated at an industrial table, eating packed lunches with their backs to the door. The pair hadn't heard Cruz open the door behind them. I've nothing to do with it, Michael said, but you know they're going to look at me. What am I supposed to say when they ask me where I was? Go with the truth, man, Kevin told them. Is that what you're planning to do, Michael asked. Kevin shook his head. What if I could, though? Cruz slowly closed the door and then reopened it, making noise to announce his entrance. Thank you, Miss Simpson. I'll call you if I need help, Cruz said to an empty hallway, then turned to the men twisting in their chairs to see him. I'm looking for Kevin Wynn and Michael Evans. He held out his badge. Kevin Wynn, a Korean-American, spoke for the both as they rose. You found us. You're investigating what happened to Warren? I am. I'm Detective De La Cruz, Cleveland Police. I have a few questions. Lunchtime, he asked, waving the pair to sit again and taking the chair opposite. It is, Kevin said, but neither of us has much of an appetite. What the hell happened today? Jeanette said someone shot Warren. Cruz nodded. Where were the two of you around 9.30 this morning? I've been working in the vet clinic since I clocked in, Kevin said. It'll take me all day to rig up a temporary HVAC unit and another month before I have a permanent solution in place. Cruz took notes. Anyone with you today? On and off, Kevin said. The vet and her staff relocated to the Cat and Primate building until I can get the systems running. Cruz nodded and made a dutiful note. Tell me about the run-in you had with the staff member. Run-in? Oh, you mean the discussion I had with Little Miss Garden Hose? Kevin didn't try to hide his irritation. I'll tell you, just like I told Warren, I didn't threaten the girl. I simply made it a priority for her to take care of the zoo system. This little oops is going to cost over $50,000 to repair. Does she care? No, she just bats on her glued-on lashes and walks away while I have to clean up her mess. She went to HR, Cruz said. Of course she went to HR, Kevin said, hands falling loudly on the table. God forbid someone reprimand the princess. Warren stood up to them, though. He told them if they gave me a week off, there would be a week longer the building would be shut down. Cruz nodded, following. Warren said the same thing once you got back here. Kevin shrugged. He said it was stupid to get in her face and that I wasn't a stupid man. He said next time he might not be able to stop HR, so there better not be a next time. I mean, it's not like I want there to be a next time, you know? What about you, Mr. Evans? Cruz said to the Caucasian male with tired eyes. Where were you when Warren was shot? Me? Michael looked to Kevin, then to Cruz. I was around the cat and primate area, knocking out work orders. Anything I should know, Cruz said, creating an opening. Michael looked again to Kevin. Kevin unwrapped a sandwich. Might as well tell him, man. He's going to find out sooner or later. I'm out on probation, Michael said, dragging a hand over his short trim beard. I got in a bar fight and won, which got me arrested for assault. I didn't have anything to do with Warren being shot, no matter how much you want me to. Cruz cocked his head. What I want has nothing to do with my inve investigation. Michael snorted. 
You cops are all alike. You run across someone like me and figure your work is done. Well, it isn't. I didn't do anything. Period. He rose from the table. I gotta get back to work, he said, and walked out. Cruz didn't stop him, didn't follow him. Not this time. What the evidence showed. Crime scene's work yielded a piece of physical evidence. Warren Taylor was shot from the rear terrace with a 9mm. Two rounds were fired. The first went into the building's facade, the second into Warren's gut. Dredging the pond known as Waterfall Lake recovered the gun and Nika Papadopoulos' cell phone. The gun was registered to Kevin Wynn. The only set of prints on the gun belonged to Kevin Wynn. An internet search quickly identified Kevin Wynn not as a mechanic, but as one of the best competitive shooters in the country. Interviews with the veterinary staff validated everything Kevin had told them. Why they had no reason to doubt Kevin worked on the HVAC system the entire morning, no one could attest to it. The best that could be done was to say the staff returned to their offices frequently and without announcement, finding Kevin there each time, scowling at the situation. Conversely, Michael Evans was MIA for nearly an hour that morning. A security feed at the Cat and Primate building caught him heading north at 9.03 a.m. Cameras caught him entering the wooden path that went down to the lower level of the zoo. He disappeared after passing under two cameras. Notably, he was not carrying tools. He was picked up by the same cameras exiting at 9.51. As self-reported, Michael Evans was on probation for fighting. He left out the part about the other guy needing 27 stitches. Michael also failed to mention the restraining order his ex-wife had on him for her and their 15-year-old daughter, and that said ex lived in an apartment building near the zoo. Manny Ruiz was also in the system. He had been arrested two years prior for assault with a deadly weapon after his girlfriend and her new boyfriend showed up as the same party. The gun had been legally purchased and registered by the party thrower. Manny took and fired the gun after the new boyfriend reacted to Manny's slandering the girlfriend by calling out the size of his equipment. County prosecutor declined to press charges as the bullet fired was embedded in the garage some 10 feet away from the new boyfriend. It was not likely a jury or judge would say that, beyond a shadow of a doubt, Manny intended to injure or kill the man. Jeanette's fingerprints were also in the system, stemming from her previous work at a daycare. There was no indication of her owning or using a gun in any capacity. Her record was clean, and she had an alibi for the time of the shooting. She was in a meeting with four other people. Hello, everybody. Um, the computer stopped recording, so we're going to start again now. From the beginning. All right, let's go. We're not starting from the beginning. We're just going to let everybody know that Jeanette was, had an alibi for the meeting, uh, for the shooting. She was in a meeting with four other people, and by the time the meeting ended, Warren Taylor was on the ground bleeding. And Jeanette had to have the hots for Warren. I'm just saying... <laughs> The weird way she's praising him, because currently the only reason, reasoning that I see that she has is that Warren didn't mess with her because she was a good employee. That's it. It's the only reason she was proud of them. That doesn't make sense. No. No. Doesn't make sense, Ma. So this is the part in the story where we pause to give uh, you and Jack a time to catch the killer. So Jack, here's our list of suspects. Wait, this is the part? Yeah, we got to this part. We cut at the end? Yes, exact. I told you. The the thing glitched out like two words from the mid-roll break here. Oh, all right. Well, that worked out great okay. then for us. Okay, so we have Manny Ruiz. So he was the guy on the job, and he had earbuds in that were too loud to hear anything. What a dumb... I get it's death metal or whatever, but still. Oh. We have Kevin Wynn. So he is a highly skilled competitive shooter, and it was his gun that killed Warren. And he was working on the HVAC unit at the time of the shooting. HVAC? HVAC. And then we have Michael Evans, who's on probation. He can't account for his whereabouts at the time of the shooting. I don't think it was him. 
And then, of course, we have the good employee. Kevin? Jeanette Simpson. Jeanette, oh. We already said Kevin. Yeah, so you have four suspects here. Manny, Kevin, Michael, and Jeanette. So I feel like it was it was clearly Kevin's gun, right? It was clearly Kevin's gun. But it couldn't have been Kevin for the sole reason of that's not how stories work. We have to... <laughs> Stop gaming it. You always game <laughs> these. But okay, go ahead. However you need to use your I, logic. I don't think it was Kevin because they were in good standing at the end. You know, Warren mm -hmm. defended him. Yes, Warren did defend him. Manny just seems stupid. He had to have done it. Yet at the same time, there's no way he could have done it. Why do you say there's no way he could have done it? Because it's obviously him. <laughs> it, it couldn't have been him because it's obviously him. You know, you have the one girl, Nikki... Is she a suspect? No, she just was the woman who found the body. Exactly. Nikki heard it from what? Across a lake? Well, around the lake. Around the lake yeah. with also earbuds. This isn't in. like Lake Erie. This is like a pond. Ma, the point being <laughs> is that if how far was Manny away from the guy? Oh, just, you know, 30 feet. Exactly. How could you have not heard that? That's and then he the came question. up with some bullcrap excuse and... All of it seems just like this man is too stupid to comprehend a cohesive thought to defend himself. He really needs a lawyer. He shouldn't be allowed to open his mouth. <laughs> like, there's a reason why in all those cop shows, the guys who always get busted are the ones who are too stupid, who are like, you know what? I'm not going to defend myself. I'm going to just explain everything to the cops. We'll get it all sorted out. Meanwhile, the three guys who asked for a lawyer go walk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Manny needs a lawyer. So I, I don't know who it is, <laughs> I'll be honest. So, before we go on, I would remind everybody to join our newsletter on The Prowl. Uh, link is in the show notes. It comes out with every full moon because that's when every good wolf should put out a newsletter. Mm -hmm. Check Definitely. out the past editions. And uh, heads up, we are closing in on a release date for the print version of our uh, podcast here. Um, hopefully by the time this episode airs in September, it will be live. But as of right now, as of our recording date, I do not have that date. So you'll be able to read the stories you love and solve them yourself. And yeah, um, see how you do. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. I have to put an official guess in because that's just how the game we play works. Yes, it does. So I don't think it could have been Manny. I think it's stupid for it to be the guy who it clearly like should be just on paper not Which should be, be who is that, that kevin I guess that the guy manny. who manny's the official guy i suppose so but the guy who has no alibi michael michael i <laughs> he almost does make me feel bad about picking him because he was like you know every guy who's an ex-convict or whatever <laughs> on probation doesn't deserve this and yeah. you're like i'm you're right buddy i don't i don't think it's you so i feel bad for him i guess janine's the only it. one left i Jeanette? guess janine Jeanette. Jeanette. And I, what's your logic for her? She's the only one left. <laughs> <laughs> Last person standing. Huh? Last person standing. She defended him. Yeah. I'm sure there's a very good and like smart tactic for liking the person that you killed. Oh. So maybe Jeanette's smarter than we think. So I guess my but final even answer. Even though is she Jeanette. was in a in a meeting with four other people. Crap! She has an alibi, doesn't she? She has an alibi. Is, I, Mom, I hate this game. You wrote this way better than I wrote mine. <laughs> no, you wrote yours pretty dang well. <laughs> yeah, well, because at the end you were like, okay, turns out the author didn't tell me half the facts. That works. No, no. Whatever. I so guess, who are you picking? I don't know, Ma, because Jeanette... All right, we have to we have to move on. Um, Manny, Michael, not. Kevin, Jeanette. <sighs> I, I guess I don't see a motivation for Kevin, so I'm going to have to go with Michael. Michael? Only okay. one without an alibi, and that's all he has. He that's doesn't have he a has. motivation. Nope, not at this There's point. not much about him. All right, I'm going with Michael. Poor all guy. Right. Jack's going with Michael. <laughs> Another conversation. The next morning, Cruz returned to the room the maintenance department called home. This time, he left two patrol officers out in the hallway. Detective De La Cruz, Jeanette reset the coffee pot on the burner. Does this mean you made progress in Warren's case? This can't be happening. Kevin Wynn tossed clothes and shoes out of the locker. When there was nothing left but paint, he slammed it shut, the metal slapping against metal. Problem, Kevin? Cruz asked the agitated man. 
Then he held up the evidence bag. Looking for this? Kevin's head came up. Where did you find it? The bottom of Waterfall Lake, Crew said. This is the gun that killed Warren Taylor. You're allowed to own guns in Cleveland, right? <coughs> I say oh. so. Let's let's talk some exposition while she's Oh talking. my goodness, something just is tickling my throat. Sorry, everybody. Um the oh, laws. Keep reading just the story. Keep reading the story. Okay, 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 okay. Problem, Kevin? Cruz asked the agitated man. Then he held up an evidence bag. Looking for this? His head came up. Where did you find it? The bottom of Waterfall Lake, Cruz said. This is the gun that killed Warren Taylor. Kevin shook his head. Impossible. It was locked in my locker. In your locker, Jeanette exclaimed. What were you thinking? Keeping a gun here. I don't keep it here all the time, he snapped at her. Just a few days a week. I practice right after work, and it saves me the trip home. Cruz stepped into his line of sight. You didn't notice it missing yesterday? Kevin shook his head. I keep it buried at the bottom. I didn't go to practice yesterday because I had to work overtime on that HVAC unit. I didn't think about it when I left here at, until about 10 last night. Look, I didn't shoot Warren. I like the guy. You respected him, Cruz said. But more importantly, you're an expert marksman. And an expert marksman like yourself would not have missed. Not at that range. And you wouldn't have dumped your gun in the lake without wiping the prints. No. You didn't shoot Warren. Cruz looked to Michael. Did you take the gun? Did you plan to kill your ex-wife, but Warren caught you, forcing you to act? <coughs> Michael shook his head. Just like I said, blame everything on me. Fine, whatever, arrest me, he said, holding out his wrists. No, Kevin shouted, stepping in front of Michael. He didn't kill Warren. He was visiting with his daughter at the time. Tell him, Mike. Michael sneered. So he can arrest me for violating the restraining order? Better than for murder, Kevin snapped back. Imagine what your ex would do with that. Michael closed his eyes, the fight going out of him. My daughter comes to the zoo during the summer to see me on days when her mother works the morning shift. We meet on the walkway to the lowlands at a spot that isn't covered by cameras. We hang out. We talk. I'm trying to be a good father to her while I work with my crappy-ass lawyer to get from out, out from under the restraining order. Cruz saw the truth in his face. That's why the cameras didn't capture you leaving the path. Michael nodded, because I never left. My daughter's a redhead. She was there waiting for me when I arrived and left one minute before me. If you need to talk to her, she will, but I'd rather leave her out of this. Cruz didn't commit one way or the other, but turned to Manny Ruiz. You killed Warren Taylor, Mr. Ruiz. Me, he said. Nah, I, I was working when it happened. I couldn't hear for the music. You knew what days Kevin kept the gun in his locker, Cruz said. Likely you intended to put it back, but the runner ruined your plans. You still had it on you when sh you watched her try to save his life, when I did the same. Warren knew it, and that's why he said, Shadow. He worried if he had said your name, it could have been a death sentence for Nika Papadopoulos or for me. I looked around and yes, there were shadows everywhere, but only one fell across his body, your shadow. He could only hope that I understood. Manny looked around, backing away uncomfortably. That, that's stupid. Why would I shoot Warren? Same reason you shot your ex-girlfriend's new guy, Cruz said, pride. After Warren denied you a raise and, worse, dressed you down in front of the others, you decided to teach him a lesson. You took Kevin's gun and you shot Warren. Even at close range, it took you two tries to hit him. And you had to think quick when Nika asked you for help. You didn't want the medics to arrive too quickly, so you tossed her phone, the gun into the water too. Maybe at the same time, maybe later, but it was the best you could do. Jeanette gasped. Manny, tell us he's wrong. Tell us you didn't kill Warren. All eyes were on Manny and he couldn't take it. 
I did it and he deserved it. I earned that raise and who is he to tell me no? And I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for that nosy runner. I should have killed her when I had the chance. The patrol officers made their entrance, cuffing Manny while Cruz recited his rights. Manny acknowledged them and kept talking, telling his audience how he would never walk in Warren Taylor's shadow again. Cruz finished the paperwork quickly and returned home, the idea of taking Aurora out and finishing the date that death interrupted. He found her sitting in the dining room at a table that matched the one in the mural she painted, staring intently at her tablet. Did you come home for lunch, she asked, leaning back for a kiss. I hope. I suppose I could feed my fiancé. He chuckled and he kissed her, obliging the woman who could paint a mural but struggled with a casserole. Case Western Reserve, he said, reading the page she had open on the tablet. That the class? <coughs> she nodded, a proud smile growing on her lips. I did it. I submitted my application to take the course. Now instead of me waiting for you to come home every night, I'll be waiting for you to pick me up after class. She suddenly looked serious. I should have asked first. You won't mind, will you? Just until I'm cleared to drive again? Like I said, enjoy having your own personal chauffeur. He kissed this eerie expression away, breaking it when his work phone rang. Shit. She laughed. I know what that means. Happy hunting, detective. Okay, I gamed it too hard, and I... I that's you were God. on the right answer, I, and then you walked away. It, and then felt, you... it felt too easy. It felt like it was obviously Manny. It felt like there was a solid, like, 30 lines that was just like, it was clearly this man. It was clearly the guy who did it. It was clearly this guy. He was stupid. Nothing about his story makes sense. It's clearly that guy. So I was like, it couldn't be that guy. <laughs> he screamed it at me, and I was like, nah, it can't be that dude. And Jeanette was not sleeping with Warren. <laughs> it didn't. Oh yeah, I lost that one. So too. I guess I guess I no longer owe you twenty dollars for the luggage. Yes, we're even. Oh, I sorry everybody. My throat just kept tickling there in that last chapter. I don't know what's going on, but. <sighs> uh, <laughs> you know what the the Michael thing seemed like there was a secret explanation being withheld too. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's there definitely was. a red herring. Yeah. You know, it was like, it, I felt like I'd seen it before and was like, you know, I, I've seen TV shows, mysteries do this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's, you think it's something bad, but in reality, it might be bad, but it's not like murder. It's and if like, he hadn't had the um, restraining order, you know, he probably would have come clean sooner. But yeah, I I mean, you're a teen or kind of getting to the end of your teens here, but you can kind of see how a 15 year old who wants to see her father, <coughs> excuse me. Would sneak into his workplace to go see him. Yeah, and it also makes you wonder the scenario in that, like, did she want the restraining order in the first place? Maybe she did want it and then realized that was a bad idea. I don't know. I mean, parents can steamroll kids and, you know, I mean, she'd have been 13 or 14. She wouldn't have known what was really going on between her parents and who knows. Who knows? But anyway. So um, the the Cleveland Zoo is one of my favorite places on the face of the planet. Yeah, I was thinking about that halfway through. I was like, man, this really does not give a good look for Cleveland Zoo's yeah. hiring status. But and you know the funny thing is, when I write mysteries, I try really hard not to set bad events in real places. And yet, this is the second time I've used the zoo. <laughs> I I just love it, and it has such a cool terrain for people who've never been to Cleveland. Cleveland is relatively flat. Um, but the only place we have valleys are on the river. So there's, you know, a valley around the Cuyahoga River, the Chagrin River, the um, the Rocky River. And so the Cleveland Zoo is sort of built onto one of those. So instead of it being flat, like if it would have been in any place else in Cleveland, it's sort of built on the side of this big hill. So there's a lot of terrain to it. Cleveland-wise. That sounds real unfortunate for the elderly. <laughs> That's why there's trains that go up and down. Okay, okay. Now, if you're from Pittsburgh or someplace in the mountains, you'd be like, no, that's still flat. But for us Clevelanders, it's, it's probably the biggest hill in the city. <laughs> so um, if you do venture over to Cleveland, make sure you take the time to go to the zoo. Yeah, so. and you get to see where uh, Warren died. <laughs> you see where Warren died. <laughs> Well, that'd be, I'm, I know there are like cases of that where it's like um, you go to a place and there's some monument where it's like, this is where this movie was shot. That's true. 
Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if a cruise's stories are ever made into movies, they'll feature the Metro Park Zoo. <laughs> like uh, in Star Wars, the the scene like where Luke's on Hoth and he's just walking through the snow. Yeah. Apparently, apparently that was like in Norway or something. Yeah. And he was outside of his hotel and it was such a bad snowstorm. They just had him put on the equipment and walk outside the hotel and film it. <laughs> so that's, that's just awesome. outside their hotel. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but that's a great story. That's what I heard. Yeah, that's a jack fact, as we're starting to call them. <laughs> you know what? I feel like you guys insult my facts. I think we need to incorporate more of your facts. It's all started with Mike the Chicken. It did start with Mike the Chicken. Okay, let me tell you the story about Mike the Chicken. You can look him up, but if you find anything on Wikipedia, my parents don't trust it. Mm-hmm. So Mike the Chicken, some farmer dude. Uh, was butchering his his chickens, you know, for food, and he cuts off Mike's head. He wasn't named Mike yet, of course. He was just the chicken. And the chicken ran around for a second, and it stopped, and it wasn't dead. And it lived two, like a year and a half like that. And he toured the country, okay, the countryside. He didn't really go very many places on the tour. But he, he brought the chicken everywhere. He was kind of like in one of those, like, freak show shows. Yeah. And now, is it Colorado? That has so. a Mike the Headless Chicken like festival, mm-hmm. and it kind of honors things like that. We'll, we'll put a link in the show notes. Oh my god, I love Mike. I mean, <laughs> nobody... I told this story when we were in France, and then the joke in France was just another Jack fact. Yep. Freaking Mike the Headless Chicken not being real. <laughs> and of course, they look up Mike the Headless Chicken, and there it is, the Wikipedia article, and they're like, it's Wikipedia, it's not real. For the record, I support Wikipedia. Uh, it's one of my favorite sources when I'm looking stuff up. I used it heavily in the first couple of seasons whenever we had anything to do with the French Revolution, like any of the French revolutions. <laughs> well, with that, we are wrapping up this last uh, episode of this season. We are going to start season five in January, and it's called Move It or Lose It. It's going to include original stories again so uh, enjoy the time away but remember to come back Um, support our show by subscribing tell a mystery lover about us give us a five-star review as always if you're interested in becoming a member of our body bag brigade uh, you can support this season or future seasons with one-time donations information is in the show notes mysteries to die for is written by tg wolf with contribution from jack wolf uh, I can't. A Roaring Shadow, a De La Cruz case file, was written by me, T.G. Wolf, and edited by Kira Jacobs. Thank you, Kira, for making sure all of my commas were in the right place. Music and production and fighting with his technology is by Jack Wolf, and episode art is by T.G. Wolf. We look forward to having you all back next season. All right, Jack, give us something memorable to go out on. <laughs> <laughs>